0: I recently read devotionally the first chapter of Mark, and I paid special attention to the ebb and flow of Jesus' schedule. Uh, In looking at kind of a a meta view, kind of an overview of that, I I made some devotional notes to myself, and I noticed uh, a a number of things. Number one, I noticed that uh, in verses 9 through 11, uh, I need to be, con- where it mentions that, uh, that amazing day in the life of Jesus when he's baptized in water and the Father speaks from heaven and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. That's an amazing day in his life, a turning point. It's, a place, it's the point at which he begins his public ministry. I, I, I thought, why, why, why was Jesus approximately 30 years old when that happened? why not 25 why not 35 why not why not 40 and i and i just jotted this down to myself that i need to be content at peace and wait for the timing of the lord for some things that whatever reason what whatever for whatever reason the father planned that out that day that that timing was important they Jesus wasn't waiting because what he was about to do was insignificant. In fact, he was waiting till the Father's timing because it was of the utmost significance, because it was the utmost importance. Uh, Just an anecdotal uh, thing. I met my wife the last week of high school. Uh, We went to the same high school. We had 550 people in our graduating class, and I was walking down the hallway. I needed a ride to work. I yelled down, hey, anybody headed this direction? I need a ride. She said, okay. And uh, that's how we met. Well, I didn't know at that time, and by the way, we were not ready to get married. Uh, I didn't know at that time that we would eventually, that would eventually lead to my salvation. And that would eventually lead to us getting married, having two sons and seven grandchildren. You know, you don't know some of those things. I do love it when Jesus comes back. Shortly after that, he comes, uh, for, he goes directly from his water baptism experience out into the wilderness, where he's tempted for forty days, and he comes back. And this is the first public message that we have, that that we have recorded. He says, "The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel." The kingdom kingdom was at hand he announces that well the reason why the kingdom was was at hand was because the king of the kingdom was at hand and when he comes to rule and reign and when we allow him to do that to do that in our lives kingdom stuff happens galatians 4 4 says when the fullness of time had come God sent his son. I'm I'm not sure what all of that fullness has. I don't know what all all went into that determination that this was the fullness of time. But I do know that I need to be content. Not procrastinating. But content for some things. Secondly, I need to act immediately on some things. In verses 10 through 29 of of that chapter, the word immediately appears six times. Other translations, uh, it says immediately in uh, King James English, or excuse me, in NASB uh, English. uh, In King James English, it says straightway. Other translations say without delay. Other translations say at once. And another translation says just as. Immediately they came up out of the water. Immediately the Spirit impelled them to go to the wilderness. Immediately they left their nets. Immediately he called them. They went to Capernaum. Capernaum immediately on the Sabbath entered the synagogue. Immediately after they had come out of the synagogue, they came to the house of Simon. So there are some things in life I need to be immediate about. Thirdly, I just need to simply be on time for other things. In verse 23, a not necessarily planned opportunity for ministry presents itself. It says, just then, as Jesus is in the synagogue, he's in the right place at the right time. I love Galatians. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. One translation says, let's keep in step with the Spirit. I love I also love the the, the verse in Romans I, I wish maybe we would define I, I I don't get the sense that you define yourselves here this way but too many Christians only define themselves what they by what they don't do or they no longer do I think we should define Christians as what we do do like backpack stuff and and worship and and uh, reaching to our neighbors and our, our people our friends in school and who are families for the Lord those are the things that we do do Romans says as as many as many as are led by the spirit these are the children of God the children of God should be known by how they are listening to and obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit Jesus said my sheep know my voice not special sheep sheep my sheep know my voice Everyday stuff, as you are strategically distributed by the Holy Spirit into the different areas of your community. Fourthly, I need to be strategic about planning some things. And, And in verse 38, Jesus sits down and makes specific ministry plans and shares it with his team. He says, you know, in fact, he gets up early in the morning and they can't find him. And they search for him and they find him. And uh, he's been spending time with the father. And they say, hey, Jesus, what's happening? That's my translation. Uh, And he said, listen, we need to go. Because at that point in time, they had just been in that area. He said, we need to go to other towns now. And it's time to reach outwardly more than we have. uh, Because we need to share this gospel. We need to share this good news. By the way. The goal of your salvation is not to get you to heaven. Uh, that's a destination. If you, are, if you belong to Jesus, that's where you're going to go someday. And it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing, especially considering the alternative. Uh, but uh, it's going to be an amazing place. And, and, and I think that's just important for us to realize again and again and again. Because if his goal was just to get you and me to heaven, we would give our lives to the Lord. He would kill us and say well done. But he's left us here alive for a purpose. And that purpose is to be used by him to expand the kingdom of God. He has put us on mission. And I remember when I was first saved, I was, I was a little hippie running around the streets of Detroit and Jesus jumped me. Uh, really, he jumped me. Uh, it was a, it was a, it's a bizarre story and I don't have time to tell it uh, but I'll tell you enough of it so that you know where I come from. Uh, there was a, a, a young man, an older man, excuse me, he's probably my age now. I'm 66. Uh, but he looked really old. <laughs> he, I was 22. He looked really, really old. So for those of you that are young, yeah, I'm really, really old. Uh, and, uh, and, and whenever, his name was Brother Moses. And, And he never, he pastored a church of about 30, an independent Pentecostal church, about 30 people. I don't think it ever got larger than that. But he loved Jesus' people. He really loved us. And there was a movement back in the late 60s, early 70s where where God was just sweeping through the hippie community. And if you're too young to know what a hippie was... Uh, it's the guys who had hair down to here and we had tie-dye shirts on yelling power to the people and thinking, thinking that if we just blew everything up and started over, we could do a better job. How absurd that was. But that was our thinking at the time. For those of you who lived through the late 60s and early 70s, you can be glad we're not there again. And, uh, and so you would ask, say, hey, Brother Moses, how's it going? Usually we'd say, What's happening? And his response was always the same. I'm working my corner of the vineyard. I'm working my corner of the vineyard. You know, there, there's something freeing about that. Amazingly freeing. Because, because it's not a comparative thing. I don't know what your corner of the vineyard looks like. I know what this corner of the vineyard looks like, but I don't know what your part of this part of the vineyard looks like. And I'm glad I'm invited here to be in your area and if I work my corner of the vineyard and you work your corner of the vineyard the work of the kingdom will get accomplished because I'm the only one who can do my specific part and you're the only one that can do your specific part when I was at uh, Ford Motor Company and and uh, became a follower of Jesus I uh, talked to in fact a guy happened to be a heroin addict uh, came up to me and he said, Hey, Jeff, I heard you got religious. I said, Oh, no, you heard wrong. I, I didn't. He said, Oh, somebody said you were a, a church boy now. I said, Well, I, I've become a follower of Jesus, but I, I'm not religious, and I don't ever want to be because I think I don't know what that means, and I don't like that term, but I, I am following Jesus. And he said, Well, tell me about it. And I said, and So I told him how I, how I committed my life to the Lord. And I said, I, and I said, you know, you can, you can, you can get free from, and when I, say, uh, when I say smack, that means heroin. I said, you can get free from your smack. And uh, he said, I don't know. He says, I, I, I'm not a religious person. I said, I just told you, I'm not either. He says, well, how does that work? And I said, I'm not sure how it works, but, but the Bible says that he whom the sun sets free is free Indeed. And and I, and he goes, "Well, what do I do I have to go to church to have that happen?" I said, "No, man, you can we can pray right here right now and Jesus can come into your life and he can set you free." And he, he looks around and he goes, "Like here at work?" I said, "Yeah, why not?" He goes, "I'm not going to do that at work." I said, "Well, go home. And when you go home tonight, talk to talk to Jesus like you're talking to your very best friend cuz he really wants to be your very best friend. And ask him into your heart, turn away from your sin, and see what happens. He says, Oh, okay, I don't know, I don't know. He walked away. I didn't see him for three days. And all of a sudden, I mean, he's like 40 feet away. Brother Jeff! It's like, Yeah. He comes running over, he's hugging me right in front of everybody. He says, It worked, it worked. He said, "He said I did just what you said, and, and I got freed from heroin without any withdrawal." And uh, I said, "Oh man, I am happy." And he said, "I'm telling all my friends that." I said, "Oh, don't tell them that because it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes they have to go with through withdrawal." He, ah, no, never mind. Just tell them that it's okay. <laughs> and uh, and and the gospel, the gospel works everywhere. It's the good news. Let's let the gospel do the heavy lifting. It's. It's Jesus that saves. It's Jesus that sets free. I was unchurched. I, uh, I, I had been counting backwards, uh, looking at We think I, I was in church 20 times, some kind of church, any kind of church, 20 times in my entire life by age 22. And that's the first time that somebody shared Jesus with me. Uh, I didn't know anything. I mean, I knew nothing. Old Testament, New Testament. I would watched the Ten Commandments. You know, I saw Charlton Heston do his thing. All right, that was that was it. And uh, to make a long story short, it was my wife who gave her heart to the Lord and and talked to me about Jesus. And I was furious with her. She tried to show me, she tried to show me uh, verses from the Bible. I picked up her Bible, I threw it across her apartment. I cursed at her, used my favorite words, told her she was stupid. She had uh, committed intellectual suicide. I was a Marxist. Um, uh Karl Marx said religion is the opiate of the masses i quoted that to her and just wanted nothing to do with it make a long story short she brought me to some jesus meetings where everybody looked like me uh and uh and talked about about giving their hearts to jesus it didn't make sense N- none of it made sense give your life to jesus it's like okay first of all he's dead how could i give myself to somebody who's dead no he's alive what do you mean he's alive well, he's alive. How do you know he's alive? He's in my heart. What do you mean he's in your heart? That doesn't make any sense to me. Jesus died for you. How could he die for me? He died before I died. I wasn't even alive. I'm not even dead yet. Give your life to Jesus. Even if I could give my life to Jesus, what would he do with it? None of this. None. Of, I tell you, I know what it's like to be blind, blind, <laughs> deaf, and deaf, and just not get it. But my wife continued to, and we weren't married at the time, continued to share the Lord with me. Went to a, a a big meeting one time. I embarrassed her the night before. I don't have time to go into that. I really embarrassed her. I'm taking great joy in that right now. But anyway, uh, that night I was sitting there and the person invited a whole bunch of people to, to accept Christ in their lives. They went forward um, and they talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea what that was. I know it was, we were in church for two and a half hours, and I needed a cigarette. I really needed, so I just, I wanted out of there, thinking, who does this, for, who goes to church for two and a half? You know, this is crazy. What am I doing here with these people? They're nuts. And, uh, and not, I don't understand anything that's going on. I don't understand the music. I understand nothing. And then uh, then I heard him say something that registered. He said, if you need more power in your life, Come forward. Well, I stepped, I said, power, power to the people. Apparently, God was on the side of the revolution. <laughs> God would give political power. I'm in. So I stood up and I went out in the aisle because the aisles were clogged all the way back. And, and this is what my prayer of salvation sounded like. It went something like this. God, I don't like these people. And I don't believe what they're saying is true. But if you're as real as they say you are, I really want to know it. And I really did. I needed it settled in my heart. And this is the bizarre part. And I didn't share my story for years and years and years until George Wood uh, encouraged us to. I felt like an invisible hand come around my body and pick me up and begin to bounce me up and down. And I wasn't flexing my knees, and I wasn't jumping, and I wasn't flexing my, my ankles. I'm just being bounced up and down like three or four times and then that invisible hand that wasn't there let go and I didn't have any strength to stand and so I started falling backwards and I started to speak in tongues which I did not know what that was I started to speak in tongues and I and I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm somehow I'm sprawled out over a chair I don't even really know how that happened and I know I know three things immediately I know that Jesus is real Secondly, my sins were forgiven. Thirdly, I was on my way to heaven. Now, I thought the fourth thing was true, and it wasn't. I thought he was killing me. <laughs> I did. I, I thought he's, Jesus is real, no, but it was okay because he's real. My sins are forgiven. I'm going to end up in heaven. I knew that. It was downloaded immediately. I got all that, but, but I thought he's killing me, and, and that's okay because he has every right to do that because I was really, really an awful person. And, and so my first words in English were, Jesus, don't kill me tonight. Let me live. So if anybody's ever done that, just walk by and go, yeah, kill the carnality in that dude. Just kill it. Kill as much of you can as you want to right now. That was my introduction to the kingdom of God. I tell you that not because I think it's a good story. I think the best story is people who give their lives to the Lord when they're five and serve the Lord all their lives. I am telling you that I believe in the Holy Spirit encounters. I believe the Holy Spirit is after people. I believe he wants to crash into people's lives. It doesn't always happen as dramatically as as it did with me. But but if it needs to happen that dramatically and a power encounter is necessary, then you know what? He wants into our lives. I, I like the way we prayed today i think it was uh i think it was pastor uh, ben that that oh no uh me i want somebody was bobby maybe it was uh maybe it was pete anyway so one of somebody said that we would invite the holy spirit he is everywhere but he he's most likely to come where he's invited and welcomed and we need to do that again and again and again so in reading this, I, I, I also noted that I'll be alone at character testing times. Jesus was alone uh, by himself in the wilderness during that time. You know, there's something intensely personable, uh, intensely personal about the Holy Spirit's dealings with us, isn't there? Those times when it's you and him, and he's wanting to do something in you, and you know it. And he's working in you, and you're very conscious of that. And there are times that you're not as aware of what he's doing in your life, but he's still working in your life. Those places of fresh surrender to him. Those places where we pray through issues that uh, we need to pray through. Those, those places where his lordship is really established or, or reestablished. Uh, Those places of of intense interaction with him where we come out of that with a a freshly settled sense of healthy priorities, of right priorities. So I'm alone at times. You're alone at times. But I'm also with team members at times. Verses 16 through 32, Jesus and his team are together doing ministry. They had their own connect groups, I'm sure. Uh, They were a connect group. And I love all the people that God has surrounded me with in my life. From the very beginning, 44 years ago, to the people, the colleagues, the friends that surround my life now. I'm grateful to God for all of the ways that they have, have influenced my life. And everybody had a different part to contribute. And, and I love that. I'm grateful for that. Thirdly, I'll be with those who have needs at times. I think that's true for all of us. The needs around us are always, always there. And you and I know that we don't have the resources to meet those needs, but we know who does. And the resources of the Holy Spirit are always, always there, ready to be ministered. And then I'll be alone at soul replenishing times and, and I, I, I already mentioned that. And then let me get to the main thing. Now All of that was introduction. Uh, I, want, I was devotionally thinking about the places that ministry took place uh, in those first uh, two chapters. Uh, after Jesus' baptism in water and his temptation in the wilderness, they go to Capernaum and they go to the synagogue. And Jesus begins to teach. This is his first... Public ministry, by the way, that we have recorded. His first public ministry. And in the midst of his first public ministry in the synagogue, a demonized man blurts out and interrupts the service. How'd you like that for the first time you ever preached, Pastor Ben? The first time you ever led worship? In the midst, dude, that's not in my notes. You know, deliver a demonized guy and go on with a message and go out with worship? That's what they did. That's what he did. Later, later it says that then Jesus went to their synagogues, plural, throughout all Galilee, preaching or proclaiming and casting out the demons. Note that specific ministry takes place within the four walls of a synagogue. Then he goes to to Peter's house and heals Peter's mother-in-law. He is healing people then in the street because... Uh, the house is too full so he has to minister in the street then he's out in the open they move themselves out of the city into a more open place and then again they return back to what is most likely Peter's home and and the same kinds of activities and the same kind of ministry takes place outside the walls of the synagogue as it does inside the walls of the synagogue except for a couple of things. Number one, the healing of a leper could not have happened inside the walls of a synagogue. The leper wouldn't have been allowed in. The paralyzed man most likely wouldn't have gotten in the doors, but he barely got in the house. He got down, let down through the roof. Healing of a fever, various diseases, releasing demonized people, all of that happens inside and outside the four walls of the synagogue. And in Mark chapter 3, we see Jesus in a synagogue setting once again. Let me read these five verses. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching, to see, watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath or to save a life or to kill? By the way, Jesus knows that they really want to kill him. And he's saying, listen, is it, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath to save a life or to kill? And I think parenthetically, like, you want to kill me. But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved over the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. This time, the need is not some some kind of deep evil that is life-controlling, that Spins somebody's life out of control. And by the way, if you're here today, and your life is out of control, you've come to a good place. Let me rephrase that: you've come to the right person, and his name is Jesus. Remember, I don't want I don't want to make you think that my past was all filled with heroin addicts. But here's another heroin addict story: uh, I got a call when I was pastoring, and uh, a fellow who had graduated from Teen Challenge and had been freed from uh, heroin for probably a good five years uh, was doing really really well and I, he, I got a heartbreaking call I said hey Pastor Jeff I, uh, I started using again and I said oh I'm so sorry to hear that I am really sorry to hear that and he said and I, I he said I I know and, and he said I've repented I've I've, I've I've repented from that, but I'm, I'm going through withdrawal. Will you come over and, and sit with me? And I said, sure, I'll be there. So I, I drove over to his house, and as I arrived, uh, his ex-wife, who had only known him as a heroin addict before he went to Teen Challenge, before he got free, uh, had stopped by his house. And so she's there, and of course, she's seen him uh, go with, through withdrawal before, and fail, and everything else. And so he's going through withdrawal, and so I get there, I'm introduced to her and I'm sitting there and, and he starts, you know, uh, with the withdrawal thing and, and he looks at me and goes, Pastor, pray for me, I'm, I'm Jones and bad pray for him. I said, sure, no problem. So I'm, I lay hands on him, and and I'm praying for him. And he goes, no, 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 pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Okay, okay. So I'm praying in tongues. He's praying in tongues, and she's watching. And uh, we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying, and, and uh, praying in the spirit. And and then, you know, things start to dissipate. And, uh, you know, he goes, oh, thanks, thanks. And, and I look, and her eyes are like... <laughs> and, and I give my best five-minute explanation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And I know it went, <laughs> you know. She goes, OK, uh-huh, OK. And then he goes, oh, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff, come on. We need to pray some more. said, I said, I started, no, no, pray in tongues. So we're both praying in tongues. And she's watching us. And, uh, and uh, after that round, she says, you know, I, I think I'll just go. And, and she left. I, I felt bad about that. I really wanted to go after her, but we had to pray some more. Uh, the kind of, of deliverance ministry, the kind of ministry, too, too many times we, we don't have a worship team to call to the platform in the living room of a heroin addict who's going through withdrawal. We, we sometimes think we just have to do something when he wants to do something, and he can do that. This time, it's not a life-controlling issue, and and it's not a terminal disease issue. So when Jesus healed the leper, back then, that was terminal, and isolating, and all of that. This time, the need is related to something that's wasted away. It's related to something emaciated, something weakened. It's a withered hand, and... We're not told why his hand is withered. We, we're not told how long it's been that way. Uh, we, it could have been disease. It could have been injury. And, and perhaps it's not even important for us to know. We don't think it was congenital because the word restore there in Greek means restored to what it was. And so here's my devotional thought for today. People come to our church settings with all sorts of bondages, and life-controlling issues. And they also come with shriveled emotions, dreams, and relationships. And the devotional question for today is this, what do I need to be restored in my life today? So let me expand this, and we've got about uh, five or ten minutes left. What's withered in your life today? What... What emotional part of your life may be shrivelled or just withdrawn from other people? what What dreams do you have today that may be dried up dried up, maybe maybe contracted by disease, injury, circumstance, choice? Um, maybe maybe, Maybe you needed to withdraw your emotional life for the sake of survival. Maybe you need to do that because of an abusive situation, an abusive relationship. And, and maybe you did that out of setting some kind of really good, healthy boundary, and yet now you find it still contracted when you should be able to release that part of your emotional life. Maybe it's your faith journey. And maybe we don't need to know the reasons why or for how long, but maybe your faith journey is not what it needs to be. When I was younger and people would say, you know, I'm, I'm really not walking with the Lord the way I should, I, I would my response would be, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for that. You know, what can I do to help you with that? And I, I hope I'm not turning into a, a grumpy old man, Pastor Ben, but... I, I don't let that slide anymore. I, if somebody says, you know, I'm really not serving the Lord the way I know I should, my response now is, why? Stop it. <laughs> if, if you know that, then don't do that anymore. Don't live that way anymore. It's not worth it. But sometimes we're afraid to even attempt again. There are, Aren't there risk issues in life? There are. For somebody, this morning, I, I I had a long time to pray on my uh, on my way here. Uh, yesterday, I've been on the road since Thursday and had a a real uh, a real long prayer time. Specifically, about this morning, and, and these are some things that that uh, that I felt could be true about I don't know if it's for the first service or the second service and let me tell you what we're going to do and so so that you know we're going to have what I would call an altar call I didn't know those words 44 years ago I know what they mean now and I'm going to ask people to come forward but here's 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 what you need to know I I really don't want you to come forward unless the Holy Spirit is really pinpointing something in your life um I, I don't I'm there's no ego involved. You know, please don't respond out of a pity thing for the old guy. Okay, yeah, please understand that. Are we on the same page? But here's, here's what I was thinking. Because here, here's what happens. Jesus is in a synagogue, and there's a guy with a shriveled hand. Okay? And, and Jesus sees him and says, hey, you, come forward. And it's like, okay, I'm a guy with a shriveled hand. The last thing I want to do is come forward in front of a bunch of people to see my shriveled hand. But it's at that point in time that Jesus says, stretch out your hand. He asks him to do something that he hasn't been able to do. And at that moment, at the request of Jesus, with the empowerment of Jesus, with the grace of God extended by Jesus, he's able to find that freedom. And so I, I think that there's a, a person here this morning. And it may be this service or next service. Where there's a step of obedience. that There's a step of obedience that you know the Lord wants you to take. And you're being held back by that. Uh, from that. Because of some kind of fear. And I believe Jesus wants you to. Uh, to address that in your life today in just a minute there there's also somebody here in I don't know if it's this service or the next service where uh, you're familiar you've heard this verse in Zephaniah where it says that the Lord sings over a person sings over you with joy and yet you you've never had that sense that God is so pleased with you that he would sing over you with joy. And, and I believe the Lord wants to address that in your innermost being today so that you know that he sings over you with a, with a, with, with a, with a joyfulness that, that uh, you haven't experienced at this point in time. And then also, uh, somebody who's being haunted by some past memories of sinfulness, uh, that uh, you just, uh, you do well, but you don't seem to be able to shake them. Let me, let me tell you what I believe the Lord's going to do. I believe what he's going to do is he's going to take that gallery of impressions and that gallery, even the drone ones, the overview. <laughs> he's going to take that those impressions those mental pictures and he's going to put them in a hallway like a museum and it will be up to you to never go down that hallway again when you start to go down that hallway it'll be it'll become that vivid to you that those impressions and those memories that have haunted you and restricted you that that they're now going to be placed in a hallway of memories but the good news is this. You do not need to go down that hallway in that museum of your life any longer. And the Lord will help you say, uh uh-uh, uh don't go down there. Don't visit those places any longer. And it'll become that vivid to you. And then also somebody, uh, lastly, with uh, with uh, your devotional life is not what you want it to be. And this is, again, somebody specific. I, I probably have... Probably all of us could raise our hands and say, yeah, that's me. I, my devotional life isn't everything I want it to be. By the way, this was a really good. Most of the time, my devotional life is not this. Most of the time, my, my, my devotional life is, okay, this was a really good week. <laughs> but, but your devotional life, you're, you're struggling with it because you have some, some sense that it should be <laughs> every day. And, and you need to get a realism about that, but you also need to be free from the, you, you need grace introduced back into your devotional life rather than some prescribed legalism. And uh, the Lord wants you to be able to, you know, w- what are the things that are just out of reach? And those are some specific things, but then there's other things that are just out of reach. And so for those of you that, that, uh, uh, have that kind of thing going on or anything else that you just feel you need to have extended, I'm going to ask for you to get up. Um, Pastor Bobby, if you'll come back. Uh, I'm going to ask that you would uh, come forward and just make a line here and I want to pray with you. I'm not going to pray long with you. It's just going to be a short, in fact, why don't we all stand? It's going to just going to be a short, brief uh, time of prayer. Pastor Ben's been on sabbatical and he doesn't know how to pray anymore. So... Uh, But uh, I will ask him to join me. Anybody in regards to that, please uh, come forward now because we don't have a lot of time and I know the parking lot needs to get empty in order for it to be full again. Okay, God bless you. Anybody else? Okay, let me pray over you and then uh, we'll be dismissed and I think there's some sort of connection happening now between services and Pastor Ben will be there. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you, Father, for those things that are withered in our life that you restore, that you are the one that pursues us and then we become pursuers of you. And I pray, Father, that your grace will be upon this congregation in an increased way and that they'll continue to serve you and minister to people in the confines of this facility and outside in their daily lives, in their corner of the vineyard, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.